Hello and welcome to the Refs Need Love To podcast, a show that gives you a real, raw, and behind-the-scenes view of one of the hardest jobs on the pitch, the referee. I'm your host, David Gerson, a grassroots referee with nine years of experience and over 1,200 matches under my belt. You can find me at refsneedlove2.com, on TikTok, and on Instagram. This week, we're going to look back at my personal 2023 as a referee. I mean, lots happens in life, but let's talk referee. What I hope to achieve in 2024 and some of the new rule changes coming to the MLS next season. And of course, we're going to end with a few notes from the mailbag. Let's start with the MLS rule changes coming up for the 2024 season kicking off in March. Now, the MLS has always been on the cutting edge of change. Uh, It's widely known that they kind of view us as customers as opposed to fans or supporters. And so they really think about, you know, how they're going to uh, drive more butts in seats, uh, more viewers on television and really convert Americans who are not yet sold on soccer and think that it might be boring or too slow, you know, to become fans of the game. Uh, Again, whether it was the penalties they used to do to decide games at the end that were ending in ties where they had someone start with the ball at the center circle and run towards, you know, the goalkeeper who could come out as far as they wanted as well. I mean, just like kind of like a hockey uh, shootout type of situation. Uh, They did the same thing in the early days of the MLS to make the game more exciting. Uh, They were also the first league to adopt VAR and arguably have done a far better job uh, with VAR than notably the Premier League. They're constantly tinkering to make the on-field product better than what it is today. Now, sometimes it's for good. Sometimes I think it's for bad. uh, But I think the changes we're going to see here are going to be interesting. I understand the reasoning behind it. That's for sure. So let's talk about the new rules they're going to be implementing next year. So the first one we're going to talk about, really both of them are dealing with the issue of quote unquote time wasting. Now, obviously there are times when a ball should be out of play and we need to wait a little for a restart, a goal kick, a free kick, a throw in, a corner kick, things of that nature. Okay. That is a moment where play does need to stop and it could stop for I don't know, 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds, depending on what the situation is, if someone's down or injured or something of nature. Um, And we're going to talk about that today here as well. Um, But other times, uh, there are occasions where people, let's say a foul occurs, and then someone really hams it up and is faking an injury. Okay. And, and you know what I'm talking about. I mean, there's a little bit of a, of a foul, but the team is uh, in the lead, the team who gets fouled. And so they just take forever on getting up, you know, acting like they've been trucked or absolutely crushed when they've just been barely grazed or something of that nature. So that is, you know, a thing that happens because, you know, the, the game is not outrageously long and we're talking about a 90 minute match. And then there's of course stoppage time. Um, but for every 30 seconds or a minute that someone is down on the ground. Well, that's another minute less than your team, uh, the team that you're playing, your opponent will have a chance to actually uh, win the game and get a goal. And so I think that's, that's really important to talk about and understand that, you know, running time off of the clock is, you know, something that we do 
end-timed sports, uh, whether it's in American football, you know, whether it's in basketball. I mean, these are things where there's a finite clock. And yes, it is a little – you say finite. I don't know about finite in, in soccer. But, you know, certainly the more time that you take uh, down – it doesn't always equate to time being added on at the end of the match because all of that is very subjective, you know, based on the referee and the fourth official, you know, what do they really consider time wasting? How much of it is legitimate? So that is one thing that happens when there's fouls and someone goes down. Um, you know, sometimes there's not even a foul. Someone is just goes down and they have a cramp. Ooh, we've seen that often, right? Like you're getting to the latter stages of the matches and someone pulls up with a cramp just when the ball goes out of the way out for a corner kick or goes out for a throw in for the opposing team. You know, the team that's, you know, trailing all of a sudden the team that's in the lead, one of their players will go down with cramp and they're screaming, you know, for help. And then all of a sudden someone stretches them out and they're fine 30 seconds later. Very odd. Um, so <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, think about also substitution situations. Team is in the lead. You know, they get five moments to sub, and all of a sudden, at the 82nd minute, they take a sub, and someone takes a slow walk off from the center of the pitch, you know, and then at the 86th minute, someone takes a sub, and then at the 89th minute, someone takes a sub, and all these things eat up time. Okay. They're running down the clock in an effort to preserve a lead and give their opponent as little time as possible, as little time as possible to score, to tie it up, to win the match, whatever it might be. Sometimes people are just happy with a tie and, you know, they're playing a team they think may be superior and they're just trying to limit the amount of time that the ball is in play or just slow the game down, give themselves a chance to catch a breath. So now the MLS is going to be implementing some rules that are going to address these situations. And these are major. I mean, I'm talking – from a referee perspective and a player perspective, I mean, if you're in the MLS, this is going to have massive implications on the game. Massive. Now, it may not look a lot once this gets implemented and things are going smoothly and everyone understands, but I'm telling you, at the beginning, it's going to be big. So the first thing that happens, the first one is the, quote, off-field treatment rule. Off-field treatment rule. So if a player goes down on the field, okay, whether they've been fouled or it's a cramp, okay, and this is excluding yellow card or red card challenges, okay, common foul, okay, cramps, if they go down on the field of play, if the player stays down for more than, quote, 15 seconds, unquote. Now, that is a specific time. 15 seconds. Then that player must be removed for the field for a minimum of two minutes to receive treatment while that player's team plays a man down. That's right. You can't sub that player. Okay, You can't put someone in for the player who's gone down. If they go down and they stay on the ground for more than 15 seconds, that player has to come off for two full minutes to receive treatment, be evaluated, whatever, just walk off and play a man down because all of a sudden, miraculously, they're better. doesn't matter. you got to stay off for two minutes. So right there, I mean, there are just a couple things that really go into my mind. Like, is this going to be like a boxing match where someone goes down and the referee starts walking up and doing like, you know, 
a 10 count like in boxing, except this time it's going to be a 15 count. It's going to be a one, two, three. Are we going to see a, 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 a counter pop up on the screen like a shot clock in basketball as soon as someone goes down? Like who's going to be counting these 15 seconds? And when does that 15 seconds begin? Does that 15 seconds begin when we when we recognize this player might be down for more than five seconds? As soon as we see someone fall down, do we need to start counting? Like, when does that begin? When we blow the whistle to stop play? Is that the beginning of the count? I don't know. I haven't seen that. I'm really curious what the direction is to the referees on this one and who's going to be responsible for counting this. But you can already start to see some issues, right? Like, I'm a referee. I'm trying to manage the match. Even when someone goes down and I blow the whistle for that person going down, there might be other things that I need to watch on the pitch. Uh, so it's now I've got to, instead of like focusing on what's going on, communicating with my assistants, you know, on the field or the fourth official. Now I got to really focus on this player who's on the ground and counting and seeing when they actually get up or get them off the pitch for retreatment. And, and, and you can imagine what's going to happen here. This is going to be really, really wild. But, you know, it's I, I can see the positive, right? If player goes down with, cramp, quote, unquote, cramps in the games or a light challenge for a foul, well, that type of time wasting is no longer going to happen. And I can't even uh, imagine, you know, what this is, is going to be. Like, if this was actually in the South American leagues, if you've ever watched a game in Argentina or Brazil or something like that, I mean, literally – Every single like touch <laughs> that someone has seems to end on someone going down, like looking for a foul. So I am so, so curious to see how this is going to work out, especially the South American players. I mean, we used to have a guy in Atlanta as a kill Barco. I believe he plays in Argentina now. And I swear the slightest touch on this guy, this guy would go down like like a sack of potatoes like every time so it's going to be really interesting the other major change and I, I briefly kind of alluded to this earlier was going to be with substitutions so the time substitution rule so again we've got an off-field treatment rule now we've got a time such substitution rule will require players to exit the playing field within 10 seconds of when being removed from the game so when their number goes up on the board if they fail to leave the field in 10 seconds, again, this is another thing that someone's going to be counting, their replacement is going to have to wait an additional minute and enter at the next stoppage. Okay, L listen to that. The replacement's going to have to wait to come in an additional minute. So your team's going to play a, a player down and enter at the next stoppage of play. Now, this does not apply for goalkeepers or for injury subs. So if you have a player who's been, you know, injured, I guess, um, you don't have to await a, a minute, I guess, for that one. Or let's say it's a, a red card or yellow card offense and they can't continue. I guess you can go ahead and sub um, right there if they haven't left the field in 10 seconds, certainly. Uh, so there's some uh, caveats to it. But again, We've all seen at the end of the games where someone takes their sweet time leaving the field. Now someone is going to be counting. Now I don't know if this is something that's going to be in the referee's head or they're going to do again like a, a boxing referee where they're going one, two, and they're like yelling the, the 10 count to this player. <laughs> but my gosh, if they don't, well, then their team is going to play a player down for at least the next minute until there is a next stoppage in play after the minute. So it's it's a minimum of a minute. So this is, I mean, I, I could see this being really contentious. And I'm, I'm sure they're going to have a preseason. 
They're going to make sure they communicate this fully to the players. Uh, and I think they should know that this was coming because these rule changes changes have been trialed in the MLS Pro League, uh, MLS Next Pro. I'm sorry, MLS Next Pro League for the past two seasons. So that's their reserve teams, and it's been shown to speed up gameplay, increase the amount of time that the ball is in play, and decrease the perceived premeditated time wasting. So they they've they've trialed it for a year and a half. They think this is going to be helpful. I think, again, when you get to the professional level, there is so much more of what I would call performance art on the pitch, you know, to get the crowd involved and, you know, to sway the emotions of the game or the referee or whatever it might be. It's very different from MLX Next Pro, where there may just be, I don't know, 100 100- parents <laughs> or 150, you know, spectators at the match. Uh, and also these guys are fighting for a, sh- a shot on the reserve team. Um, I think it's a different energy and a different, uh, match control. And, and that's the thing for me. It's, it's for the referee in particular. Okay. It's one thing if you're managing this and you're on your own at a field again with you know, no television cameras, Right. And you're in control of the watch and the clock. But when you start getting very specific for that 10 seconds or 15 second count, now there's going to be a counter that's on the screen at home. Maybe there's a counter that's going to be in the stadiums. I have no idea. And so it's going to put an exceptional amount of scrutiny on the official to be able to consistently implement this and further, you know, everyone's always wanting consistency. And now you've got another one of these situations. Now, (laughs) I I don't know, like, are they going to manage it to 10 seconds and 15 seconds exact? Or is it going to be like the six second rule for goalkeepers? (laughs) You know, how often does that actually get (laughs) implemented is exactly how it's written. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit ridiculous. So I'm not sure, you know, what's going to happen here. Um, I think, this could be helpful, without a doubt, as it relates to, to time wasting. We're going to take a quick break for words from our sponsor. It's better than an in-game water break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. I'm just so curious about the implementation and the consistency of it. Uh, that's really going to to get me. And I, and I guarantee there is going to be a situation relatively early on in the season where it's going to be, you know, a tie game with three minutes left and someone's going to go down and all of a sudden they're going to be down for 16 seconds and the referee is going to tell them to get off the field, you know, for two minutes. And then the other team is going to score and it's going to be all about the referee again. And it's going to be all about the referee, you know, or maybe they were only down for 14 seconds, but the referee counted 15 seconds or 16 seconds. It's just, ah, oh, 
I just see so many opportunities for this to be another thing to specifically try and put blame on a referee for trying to implement a very, very difficult uh, rule change. And I know it sounds simple, but I'm just trying to think about, you know, you're on the pitch. When does the time start? When does the time end? You know, and and how are you going to communicate this? And, and how is it going to be pick, um, shown, depicted on the broadcast as well? It's, it's just another one of these things that's going to be kind of crazy and have, you know, the fans going, what's going on? Okay. So the other thing, and this is actually a positive for me, is that uh, this was trialed, I believe, at the Women's World Cup, if I'm not mistaken, where now the MLS refs, which this should happen all around the world, I don't know why we haven't gotten there yet in the professional leagues, is that MLS refs will now announce the VAR decisions to the stadium and therefore the, the audience watching at home after decisions are made where video assistant review has been involved. So if we have a, a situation where the referee has to be called uh, to the monitor, uh, then after they do that, they will announce the decision to the audience. So the decision can be um, that, okay, after video review, the on-field decision of goal kick has now been changed to penalty kick. Okay. That could be an example. Uh, there could be a decision where, you know, they've, it was given as a yellow card in the field and red card. So you're going to hear them say after video review, the decision on the field of a yellow card for a reckless challenge has now been upgraded to a red card for serious foul play. Now, I think these are great, you know, as a referee, like I understand, you know, what that means, reckless challenge, serious foul play, something of that nature. Um, but I think the people at home are going to want more. And, and I, I just, I wish, I wish we could give more. Like, I wish we could say, you know, the on-field decision was a yellow card for a reckless challenge, but upon video review, we saw that there was excessive force contact point was above the ankle with exposed studs, you know, in a lunging tackle, you know, whatever that might be. But some of the words that, you know, we use as considerations to make one determination or another. And I know that there's risk in that, right? There, there's certainly risk because maybe someone gets their words wrong and someone tries to parse it out with the laws of the game. It's a thing. But, you know, I, I don't feel that people at home understand that reckless means a yellow card. And serious foul play means a red card. They don't necessarily know those those words per se. Um, so you know, again, when we have someone, you know, hand someone has hands to the face, and it doesn't look awful. You know, it's not like a through a hard punch, but you know, their, their hands kind of you know brush them across the the cheek, and it was deemed not to be negligible, but they get sent off for violent conduct. People are going to be like, what's violent about that? <laughs> so I just think that there, there can be a challenge using our very technical referee language, you know, in a broadcast, but it's certainly a step forward. We had a situation uh, just a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm not sure which league this was in. I'm trying to remember uh, the exact play that was sent to me, um, but a referee 
had their arm uh, raised up for an off or I'm sorry, excuse me. I almost made a mistake at an indirect free kick. And the broadcasters were like, I didn't see an offside in the buildup. Where was the offside? Let's look at this again. And they keep on going through the play over and over again, trying to find the offside. It wasn't an offside. It was that the kicker of the ball is a free kick from like five yards outside the penalty area. It smashed off the crossbar, didn't touch anyone else coming out and went right back to the kicker. So the kicker called an indirect free kick offense, which is the kicker touched the ball twice. I would love for the referee to be able to call, like announce these calls, you know, to, to everyone at home, you know, is there a charge? Is it a trip? Is it a push? Is it a pull? Is it, you know, an indirect free kick offense for touching the ball twice or something in nature before another opponent touches, you know, can there be some hand signals if we're not going to have voice signals or something in nature? But I look at what, you know, the NFL does or in American basketball and they have signals, even American hockey to explain the calls to the people who are playing the game, but everyone who's watching the game as well in the stadium, at the park, you know, on TV, everyone understands what's going on. And I think that would go a long way to helping people understand the laws of the game. I think this little thing of announcing the calls from VAR to the stadium, you know, is helpful so that people understand what the call was, but it still feels like we can go a lot further. That would be nice. All right. Now for me, a little look back on 2023. Um, as a, a year for me as a referee, uh, as a, as a referee definitely learned and grew a lot over the past year. Um, now I actually have a little bit of a notoriety when I step onto a soccer pitch. <laughs> so when I roll up to a soccer pitch, pretty much immediately these days, kids are like, yo, are you the TikTok ref? Yo, are you the TikTok ref? Sometimes like coaches that come up to me, all parents come up to me after the game saying, Hey, I follow you on TikTok. I'm a big fan. Um, so I actually, it's funny. I love it. Love it. that People are, are watching my channels. Um, but you know, there's a little bit of pressure now, um, to be exceptional every time I have a whistle or a flag in my hand and I put that Jersey on and not that I didn't give my best before, you know, I'm kind of a little bit of a, of a nerd like that and I'm perfectionist. So I do want to give my best, but now I, I live kind of in fear that if I mess up now, it's going to be all over social media in a heartbeat. It's like, oh, TikTok ref didn't get this call right. How did TikTok ref not call a, a red card here? You know, how did TikTok ref not catch that offside or whatever it was? Um, so I, I definitely feel a little extra pressure. And, you know, this is self-inflicted. So whatever, it comes with the territory. Um, I probably did around 150 matches in 2023. Uh, I can only remember one match as I look back over the course of the year where I didn't feel like I had complete control. And I'd love to see a full minute video of this match to analyze my decisions. I tried getting the video. I, I messaged the guy like three or four times, but for whatever reason, it was corrupted or blah, blah, blah. But it was a highly competitive U19 boys match. Um, and so <laughs> let me just say this. When you're 19 years old, you think you know everything. Like you're 19, you haven't gone to college yet. So you're, eight, you're U19. So you're 18 years old, 17 years old. You're a senior in high school. You think you know everything. Everything. There were at least five yellow cards in that match. And I had one red card for dog so on a goalkeeper coming out, sliding out and taken down an opponent who was throwing goal. Um, this match, you know, just like every match, I try and be friendly and I'm a verbal res referee who likes to communicate and explain decisions. But sometimes I really do feel like my kindness can be perceived as weakness. 
And every now and then, the conversation and dialogue can devolve into whining and dissent if left unchecked. And and some teams also, I, I would tell you, some teams have a game plan to try and draw fouls and play for free kicks rather than beating their opponents with technical skills in passing. And it's not to say that that is not an acceptable form of football or soccer. It is. I mean, there are teams who have made it to the Premier League who do pretty much that, where they they bunker and they sit back and they play a long ball you know, over top to a, to a big striker who hopefully holds it up or maybe gets fouled and then they get a free kick. Um, but if they're not getting those free kicks okay, and they're not getting those opportunities uh, you know, further up the field, uh, they get upset and frustrated. I mean, there was one player who you know, was a winger on this team. And I, I tell you, this kid would go down if you blew on him. <laughs> and start crying for a foul. I mean, it's not there wasn't contact, but oh my gosh, this was like, it, it was ridiculous. And yes, I did call fouls on his behalf, but if he didn't get a foul, he would just cry. And at halftime, you know, I, I was briefly talking to the coach because um, he he was actually like, hey, you know, I, in my estimation, you know, the other teams had 14 fouls and we've had like five fouls at this point. And I, and I said to him, I was like, well, coach, if you have possession of the ball and the other team has possession and they're dribbling the ball, you know, on the ground through the middle pitch, they're going to get fouls, you know, cause they've got, you know, more opportunity for fouls. If you're just kicking long, and you don't have a lot of possession. You're not going to get a lot of fouls. <laughs> and I, and I did make mention, I was like, and, and by the way, you know, that guy over there, you know, those aren't fouls, <laughs> you know, he's initiated contact on a lot of those things. And he's like, yeah, I know I have to deal with it all the time. <laughs> like it was pretty funny. Um, but you know, the, the, the team in particular just kept getting, you know, more and more upset and frustrated, especially after they got a red card again, for what I feel was a very legitimate and clear call, you know, of a keeper coming out, sliding in. Yeah, they might have gotten a little bit of ball, but went right through the onrushing attacker as well with studs. I mean, it was it was a pretty, you know, clear call. And again, when you're the that last defender right there and the players throwing goal, um, you know, it, it was a pretty easy call for me. But I'd love to see that back on film um, if I if I could. Um, so that one was was one that I I learned from. Um, and I definitely was, I left the game feeling pretty deflated and questioning my decisions. Um, you know, it's, it, it's one of those things that I'm like, you know, I need, I need to tighten up my level for dissent. You know, again, I don't mind people talking to me or having questions for me, but there's a point where if you're asking a question, every single foul, yeah, that's dissent. I mean, that's persistent dissent. And I needed to, to, to jump on that a little bit quicker, um, and I did, you know, as I went through the rest of my season, I learned from it. Um, you know, I'm not sure if my positioning on that dog. So was where I'd like to be. I feel like I was right behind the play where I would have liked to have been to the side of that play. Um, so yeah, it's just a, a bummer. It was funny. I, I caught up with one of the coaches, you know, a couple of weeks later and I asked him about his thoughts of that game. And he's like, man, you did great. <laughs> he's like, I can't wait for you to ref my next one. So it's, it's so funny how sometimes, you know, we can be tough on ourselves um, even when we've done a great job on the pitch, but you know, you live and learn. 
Um, my high school season, which is a spring season, we're about to actually start my spring season coming up soon. Um, in Georgia, uh, spring high school season starts at the beginning of or end of January. So it's right around the corner for me. Um, but my high school season was perfect. Didn't have a single issue. Um, yes, some high school fans can be a tad obnoxious and a poor understanding of the rules and laws, but you know, it adds atmosphere and makes it fun to have them there cheering their classmates on. Um, I got to work five playoff matches last year and had my first whistle in a playoff match and it went great. No issues at all, aside from the three hour lightning delay and not getting home till midnight that night. But you know, Hey, it happens. Um, the fall club season was smooth, no issues. I felt great physically. I had literally virtually no issues aside from that one match. Um, I will tell you every now and then, and this goes back to the notoriety thing, um, I'll get a player or an assistant coach that makes a snide a mark, remark about me being uh, a TikTok ref after a call goes against their team. And I simply remind them pretty forcefully, no laughing. It's like, Ref or sir is the only way to address me and anything else would be disrespectful and card worthy. And I'm like, are we clear? And it usually ends right there. Um, on a sad note, uh, my son Jacob decided to give up refing this year in his senior year of high school. Uh, I will say he had a pretty difficult sophomore and junior year of high school, emotionally speaking, and being a referee was not contributing to his overall mental well being. It was just, you know, it's a tough time as it is for all kids, but you know, as a ref, you know, it can be stressful too. Um, and when we were assigned matches, um, you know, we could be anxious around certain matches. We had a few pretty negative experiences, refing adult amateur matches in the fall of his senior year that really soured the whole experience for him. And it, it simply isn't worth 50 or 60 bucks if you think you might get assaulted or threatened with assault. And so I will say that was one sad part of my refereeing um, experience this past year. Uh, I am thrilled that I got to spend seven years working with him almost every weekend. Um, I enjoyed the rides to and from the pitch, the time discussing every match, the pride of running a line for him and seeing him make a great call. Uh, the awe I'd experience watching him manage a coach on a sideline, you know, and I'm thankful for every moment I had with him. Um, but I did have a little, little bit of a hole in my heart, um, this year. I know that being a referee has made him a better man. I'm thrilled that I got to be part of that process with him. In 2023, uh, the Refs Need Love 2 channel surpassed my hopes and dreams in terms of reach and the positive impact it can have on the world. Uh, not a week goes by that I don't receive a message from like someone thousands of miles away telling me how much they appreciate the knowledge and insights being shared on my TikTok, blog, Insta, and even this podcast. At the time of this recording, we now have over 185,000 followers on social media, and my podcast is one of the 25% most downloaded podcasts in the U.S., which is crazy. It's ridiculous. I find that just to be like so like hard to <laughs> get my head around, but it's crazy. Um, over the past year, I've been a guest on at least seven other podcasts. I've been a featured guest for the English Referees Association on one of their monthly webinars. I was quoted in numerous articles. Uh, I was a, even a keynote speaker at the National Symposium for Women's Gymnastics Judges. Um, as a side hustle, the revenue I generate from video views and engagement and the merchant gear I sell on my website, Amazon and TikTok shop has enabled me to reinvest in the brand and connect my audience in a physical way with, you know, with merch and stuff, which is really cool. Um, I try and include an original handwritten note in every single item that gets shipped from my house. And it's just a rare thing these days and people really appreciate it. Uh, considering that I'm only a little over two years into this journey, I think it's been pretty successful. I mean, who knows where it's going to take me in 2024. 
And now for the mailbag. Uh, this is a message I got from Australia uh, from a referee who's about 10 years my senior, um, but I thought it was cool and I wanted to share it with you. Uh, so it starts with, hello from down under. I'm a mature aged ref, 58, put in parentheses, who took up refereeing at 54 after 49 years of playing and regrets not doing it sooner. So he's been a player for 54 years years or I'm sorry, 49 years. So when he started, when he was five years old and he was a player and he's always kept lean and fit was never good at individual sports until he found uh, a calling later in life. Um, it appears, and this is what he writes. I appears I have the right temperament. Even at my old age, he was appointed to the local uh, 21s and premier league semifinals last year. So under 21s and premier league semifinals last year, I referee in Sutherland Shire area of Sydney. That is approximately 18,000 registered players of which over 30% are women and 350 referees covering the matches. So quite a, a group he's a part of. There are six divisions of over 35s and five divisions of over 45s with 13 divisions of all age, just to give you an idea of how popular sport is population-wise here. The weekend matches here and winners start at 7 a.m. on Saturdays and 8 a.m. on Sundays, and the fields are mostly full until 4.30 p.m. Needless to say, the assistant referees can be few and far between in most matches, and there is never enough to cover all the games, so I often referee an all-age fourth division with no offside assistance. Um, about five years ago, we introduced a 10-minute sin bin for referee descent, and it's the best thing they have ever done. Now, I think this is interesting because I know IFAB's been talking about approving this for all leagues after there have been some trials around the world. So very interesting. He said, in a fiery game, yellow carding a player for dissent by word of action can quickly pull everyone into line as they think this ref means business. Personally, at an international level, I think it's way out of control as no other sport in the world puts up with the type of dissent they receive, and I believe it brings the game into disrepute. Midweek, I took up five aside refereeing. So this guy's been busy on the pitch at a local sports center to improve my refereeing, and I have done over 1,500 games in three years there. 1,500 games. Okay, It's tough as it's on a court where the ball essentially never goes out and foul identification and game management is paramount. He writes, I was reading your blog about why you love being a referee, and I thought I would share with you one of mine. On my way home from a match last year, a neighbor called out to me, did you win? Not really knowing I was a ref. I called back to him. I always win. I'm a referee. Whew. Specifically, what I meant by that was as a player, you experience the ups and downs of sport, the exhilaration of winning, and the flat feeling you get after a loss. As a referee, after 95% of the matches I ref, I get the same feeling as the winners. I'm both physically and mentally exhausted. I know in my head I've had a great game and I've had the best seat in the house. So to speak of a good football match, the sport I love. I think that's so interesting. I've had the best seat in the house, so to speak, of a good football match, the sport I love. He continues, the other takeaway I picked up from your website blog was the Ted Lasso reference to the goldfish. I am my hardest judge, and after I mistake, I have trouble shaking it off for several minutes, and this is something I plan to work on next season. Even when I get home, I put my feet up and have a cold beer. I look back, kicking myself inside for not being in the right position for the wrong call. So I think this is so interesting. Um, he just uh, he ended up with a, you know, a, a question as well, but I just thought that was so cool. You know, Again, this person in Australia, <laughs> on the other side of the world, 
and his experience after being a player for 49 years and now stepping in as a referee and still finding that same love and joy he did as a player, if not even more so. I wish more players um, would do what he's doing. And my gosh, is he given back to the game big time here? Unbelievable. So thank you, sir. Really, really appreciate you. All right. Just one last one from the mailbag. Um, and it starts, I just want to say, I love your work. I've shown the parents of the kids. I coach your page. So they know the rules better. I'm a young referee and the situations you go through and review are great as a ref and a coach. I cannot express how great your page is. Thank you for your hard work. So we'll let that one be the last, <laughs> the last message from the mailbag for 2023. Um, you know, I, again, I'm sure I've made many mistakes this year, but hopefully I've learned from them and grown as a person. And we have so much more to do in 2024. I hope you enjoyed today's pod. Uh, I appreciate all the love and support you've given me over the past year. And hopefully it will continue in the year to come. I know I am not perfect, but hopefully through this podcast, the videos, the blogs I produce, we can create a culture of understanding, empathy, love, and respect that is badly needed throughout the beautiful game refs need love too. Please consider reviewing this podcast wherever you're listening to it, whether it be Apple, Spotify, or someplace else. The more reviews it gets, the further this message of love and support can go for our referees. I'd also ask you to support the channel on my store at refsneedlove2.com. Every dime you invest goes back into making this channel the best it can possibly be. I wish you nothing but love and respect as we finish out 2023 and move into 2024. And I hope whenever that next match occurs, that it is red card 